Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. Conspiracy theorists of the world unite. He is refining his methods. He is evolving. There have been other times when a danger upon the world required the services of singular individuals. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Are you like a crazy person? I'm quite sure they will say so. Welcome all to Dark Fringe Radio, your number one spot for the conspiratorial, paranormal, macabre, strange, unusual, and everything alike. And of course, I am Will Martinez, your host. And this week, of course, as every week, my co-host, Jay Galosi. Jay, what is going on, my brother? What is going on? We have a lot to talk about tonight. What is up? What is up? What is up? How is everyone doing this evening? I hope everybody's doing okay. A lot better here than I'm sure in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy situation, man. Yeah. The world on fire, sir. The world on fire. Well, we're going to be talking about that um, in our segment, As the World Burns. Uh, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. But tonight, we're going to be talking about the Rendlesham Forest incident. So, for those that don't know, you're in for a treat. Uh, this is uh, basically known as... Uh, Britain's uh, Roswell incident. So uh, it's a very interesting tale. Yeah. We're going to get into all that yeah, here. Area 52. <laughs> Area 52, exactly. And uh, it's going to be interesting. So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, but first, let's get into the intro, of course. How do you, uh, how do you follow the show? It's very simple. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All you got to do is go to Dark Fringe Radio. It's very simple. Uh, you can go there and like and share all our stuff. We're uh, constantly putting stuff there on a daily basis. And um, so make sure you do that. Spread the word, friend or foe. Let everybody know about the show, and uh, we really do appreciate that. So uh, that's first and foremost. And, of course, how to listen to the podcast. Very simple. Go to our website, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. You go there directly, and you can listen to any of our past episodes. We got a lot of episodes in the in the, in the the dungeon, brother. You know what I'm saying? Holy mother of God. Sir. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Slowly but surely, we're creeping up to it's that almost, 100. Almost, almost like we're trying to make this like a career or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are. We are. That's that's the goal. And uh, we appreciate all the people that uh, you know like and follow and share our stuff and uh, listen uh, to the podcast and share our stuff. Listen, we, we can't thank you guys enough. Uh, once you guys go to listen to our podcast, any one of those uh, – streaming services, which we are available on all major streaming services, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, um, all those things, iTunes, Google Play. Make sure you just subscribe and give us a comment. That's uh, a way for us to uh, you know get bolstered up in the rankings and actually uh, help out with the advertisers, and that really helps us out too as well. So that's the way to pay us back for a free show, so we really do appreciate it. Make sure you go ahead and do that. So that's pretty much it. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, for you guys that want to uh, yeah. drop any kind of information to us directly, uh, or if you want to be a guest of the show, anything like that, you can send that correspondence to me directly at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. So uh, you can go ahead and shoot over an email, and I will respond back to you very promptly and quickly. And make sure that uh, I will not. <laughs> Jay will not. I will though. Uh, Jay's Jay busy. Jay will not. <laughs> Jay's Jay will busy. not. Jay doesn't do any of the admin. <laughs> no, Jay I... doesn't do any admin. <laughs> no, I take care of all that. So listen, if you guys have anything like that, make sure you you send that to us directly. Again, thedarkfringe at gmail dot com. So um, that's it for the intro, Jay. Um, anything else you want to add for that? 
Uh, no, no. I, as per usual, you uh, you spit out the uh, the rhetoric, the legal documentation. You kind of sound like that uh, Micro Machines guy. Remember him back in the nineties when he was like, "Oh, well, listen. Uh, I'll take a I'll take a, a bow to that. That's that's a, that's a good compliment. Thank you, Jay. Uh, but yeah, listen. Um, I want to get into our next segment, which is as the world burns and. Uh, Jay, um, I don't know how else to put yeah, this, but, you know, the world is burning right now, especially in Minnesota right now, my friend. Um, <laughs> this whole George Floyd uh, thing is, uh, it's uh, its a very, very uh, sensitive and nerve-bending, you know, uh, incident right now. What's your take on this whole thing so far? Uh, well, just like any other major incident that happens, any major news story, um, with all the stress that everybody's been under with what the economy is going through and the whole COVID thing that we briefly touched on all of last, uh, last week's show, or the last episode, all of this society is a powder keg kind of waiting to go off. And it wasn't going to take much. And uh, Minnesota is showing that, um, you know, there, there's a divide between government and people. And when there's a divide like that, uh, it can be a very, uh, very, very scary time, sir. Yes, sir. You're absolutely right. And it is a scary time, especially if you're in that area. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, things that are happening currently right now in uh, south, uh, you know, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota right now. Uh, you're, you're having, like, precincts being, you know, uh, attacked, uh, windows being smashed, mm-hmm. police cars, and so on and so forth. But you're right, Jay. Uh, you know, this is a powder keg that uh, was eventually going to blow up. And, um, you know, it, it, it started really kind of like about a month ago, if you really think about it, Jay, uh, with this Ahmad Aubrey case. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with this at all, but there was the, that story of the guy who was supposedly jogging and then got gunned down by the two, um, you know, the two civilians that had shotguns in Georgia. Did you hear about that, that uh, story, Jay? I did not. I did not. Go ahead and enlighten me. Uh, this one was one that was... Yeah, so kind of uh, pushed to the to the rear. Yeah, so this happened about three weeks ago. Um, there was this guy supposedly by the name of Ahmad Aubrey. He was supposedly just jogging uh, down the street, and some people thought that he was robbing area, like robbing uh, certain areas of uh, the neighborhood. And uh, two guys basically cornered him, shot him down with a shotgun, and that was pretty much it. They tried to do like a citizen's arrest kind of thing. And the guy wasn't having it, so he was resisting, and it just turned into a really bad uh, situation. You know what I mean? And uh, that guy ended up dead. Um, so there was no um, craziness like what is going on in this particular case in Minnesota because there was some kind of uh, gray area here, Jay, with this particular case where he wasn't just jogging. You know, obviously he went to a – there was a – later on, as we figured out, that there was an abandoned house that he went into. He entered the premises, uh, you know, many others did as well uh and it, it, it doesn't prompt for somebody to get killed but um again he uh unfortunately faced uh you know two individuals that uh, thought otherwise and you know now he's dead now we have this case here jay you know two weeks later or three weeks later where i don't know about you but this seems pretty cut and dry i mean um from the the, the video footage that's been shown out there and uh what's been uh shown it, it just it, there's no gray area to this what, what do you think uh, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I have trouble trusting any of those videos. A lot of people edit things sometimes to make certain sides, to tell certain halves of quarters of stories. Uh, and, you know, it's like the old saying, you know, the three sides of every story, yours, mine, and the truth. So we're not, we weren't there, so it's really hard, even with that video evidence, because I've seen so many times where the video evidence was, was off or was wrong or was doctored or even eyewitness reports. Hell, even that time I was uh, I was interrogated by the police in front of my house. I mean, <clears throat> I told that story and it came out differently. So it's, unless you're right there and right then and it's happening right at that moment, I I have trouble just believing anything can be black and white. If you just believe anything is black and white, then you miss the whole nuance of life. Uh, you know, I get what you're saying, Jay. I totally get what you're saying. But I, in this case, Jay, I think it's pretty pretty clear i mean uh there was eyewitnesses like you said uh that were there uh 
you know the, the the video is you know it ran its length from before to there was no resistance there was three cops on him there was a cop on his neck basically putting his knee to his neck which is a blood choke if you know anything about jujitsu um and you know that's a it's a move that's not even used in law enforcement where you put someone's your knee to someone's neck i have people oddly enough you surf it as for my what the Florida man by the way. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not the mood. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, again, uh, I think this is well, I a mean, case listen, where, it's, where it is black yeah. and white. I think it is. And not, not, it, not it, using well, the pun. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's black and white. Here's the thing. I don't know if it's black and white. I'm not saying it's not leaning heavily towards that one particular direction. I'm just saying, I'm saying that at this point, we still don't have really all the facts. So until we have everything, it would be ill-advised of us to always jump to conclusions necessarily going for anti-system being that everybody's anti-system right now so it's kind of a thing that's all i'm saying yeah i get it i get it but i'm gonna have to disagree with you on that jay i mean this one i think um in this case jay I'll fuck you then. well yeah that's okay we can fuck each other on this one but it's okay <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's all about uh, well what <laughs> not like that but listen I think in this certain don't ever <laughs> I think, ever say that to me again. <laughs> in that certain <laughs> circumstance, I think that I think you know the people are right on this man, and you know I'm not saying that the writing, what's going on right now, and the looting is the correct way to go. But no, it's not, that's of course yeah, that doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't get I mean, anywhere. That, that just it just gives people an excuse. It gives people a reason to go. You know, all day of the purge. Right, you know, because right, right. they're they're that's the other thing about this. You know, there should be some real outrage, and there is a, a man that is dead, and that that should be paid its proper accompaniment. And I don't feel like it is. I feel like just like when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling at the, the national anthem, it gets lost in this this anti-American rhetoric or this this racial rhetoric, and we we lose touch of what's really important. There is a man that is dead and doesn't deserve to be dead. No matter what he was doing, he doesn't deserve to be dead. No matter what he wasn't doing, he doesn't deserve to be dead. And anybody looting and rioting over the fact that you know, using that as their as their springboard, as their righteous point to go to go break into things and loot things and, and bash windows and uh you know, take it on other innocent people. That's just stupid. Yeah, I, I agree with the looting part. I understand. The rioting, though, Jay, sometimes, you know what? I think sometimes things like that are necessary. I'm not, that's not, and I'm going to tell I'm you this. I'm not saying. I'm going to tell you this right I'm now, not Jay. Saying. It's not going to be the popular, you know, statement that I've ever made in my life. But I am saying this. Sometimes things like this need to happen. And why I say that is because. Fine. And the reason why I say that. Is because what happens is, is this repetitive behavior starts to happen. And if there's nothing else that comes up as far as resistance from it, it continues to happen. So I think things like this may put up maybe a thought and maybe some of these bad cops' mind. Not all cops are bad. Listen, I have family members that are police officers, so I'm not going to sit here and bash all cops. I'm not going to do that. That's not my that's not my right to do that because I am not a police officer, so I can't sit here and criticize others. But what I'm saying is, is this: as there are in anything, in any facets of life, whether it be if you're a surgeon, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, there's good, there's bad doctors, there's good, there's bad attorneys, there's good, and there's bad cops, just like anything else yeah, in life. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? And so, that's just of course. Yeah, that's just normal. You know. But, course in but here's but here's but here's here's the point you're missing here, William. Here's the point you're missing, my friend. And I understand. I'm not saying a little revolution isn't isn't bad every now and then. I'm not saying every now and then we don't need to rise up as a mass. What I'm saying is using something like this to catapult violence. I don't think is going to get not only is it not going to necessarily get the result that we're looking for uh, of breaking of a pattern and understanding of a of a class of people that uh, has been long long uh, disenfranchised. What I'm saying is that I don't think that a lot of the outrage is a real 
and B, being appropriately focused. Be outraged. Be pissed off. Be upset that someone is dead. There's no reason for rioting because rioting always leads to the looting. What you have to do is you have to find a way to focus it and make it a much more poignant statement whether you you are doing a a conflicted style stand-up where you're more, I'm going to stand my ground no matter what you bring or if you're a little more passive and peaceful if that's the right you got you want to go as well it's fine but i think just just open ass rioting just straight civil unrest isn't going to get you anywhere all it's going to do is create a farther divide yeah i could see that and you know what you're right in that, in that aspect but again um i think sometimes things like this need to happen just to show authority that they are not in full control of things because things can turn ugly in a matter of minutes especially when oh yeah you know something like this happens and just to add to this jake you know i've been doing a lot of like watching i and i've been leaving i have been holding my my uh point of contention or my point of thought to this whole thing for a little bit of time because what what i like to do is just like what you said jay i like to let things kind of settle and see what the end result is before i make a decision and say this 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 and this right just there's how many times have you seen where right. like for instance like uh the jesse smollier that guy that fucking guy who uh the, that black actor who said he got uh assaulted in the middle of the night by three white guys in, in chicago and they threw bleach on him and they fucking put a noose around his neck and all this shit right and everybody was just like up in arms about it yeah and this and that and they were like you know justice for you know uh what's his name you know and whatever what all that stuff and i was just like you know what i reserved my i reserved my um my thoughts my two cents before i saw everything and i was right by doing that because right. as things came out the story was fucked up and the whole story was wrong and it was false you know it was all set up so again yeah in this certain circumstance i think i i think enough time has passed where I think we know the whole story at this point. And then again, Jay, I'm, I'm starting to see reports of actual cops in riot, like fucking gear, uh, not riot gear, but just like normal civilian clothes with mask on, actually starting up shit, actually going to like businesses and throwing shit through windows and shit like that, just to stir shit up. And this is not something that's been not been done before. This has been done before many, many of times. Where you have like Asian provocateurs yeah. that go in as a supposed, you know, writer or a protester and they start shit. We and talk they, about it. Yeah. And, and they just fucking gaslight. Yeah, you know, they just start gaslighting, you know, and telling everybody, hey, listen, there's free shit in here. Let's riot this. Let's loot this. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, they're fucking a cop, uh, you know, on the, on the payroll. So, again, you know, there's things like that that really lose the the uh the faith of you know law enforcement and things of that nature and it's it's a really bad situation right now i just hope and pray that you know things start to calm down in that city because of course you know we want you know we don't want violence to happen we don't want anybody to get hurt or killed because of this you know understand but at the same time right. um you know i think this is a very important uh, moment in uh in our history that we need to, uh, you know, really recognize because, you know, as this happens more and more, it's going to happen more and more. So we need to kind of figure out a solution to this uh, before anything else happens. And again, on top of that, the mayor of Minneapolis came out and already said that he uh, doesn't understand why the district attorney hasn't filed any charges as of yet. So, again, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, there's a lot of, fucking, sure. you know, uh, chaos that's happening right now in minneapolis my thoughts and prayers out to those people right now i hope you guys get under sure. control and uh, i hope this is all resolved peacefully and uh and i hope quickly so uh all right uh that's a pretty fucking lit set segment right there jay <laughs> as the world I, burns. listen that was uh that's fantastic sir yeah 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 so uh let's get into our next segment jay uh and that of course is what the f florida man and so what the what do you have for us uh this week yeah, jay let's uh Let's kick this pig and leave it squealing from the feeling. All right. Let's get Wait the that. intro going. Hold on one second. 
Florida man. A Florida man. A Florida man. A Florida man. Now to the town of Sefner, Florida, near Tampa, where last night the earth opened up as it does increasingly, and this time it swallowed a 37-year-old man as he slept in his home. A man accused of destroying a liquor store in Okaloosa County told police he was in Alice in Wonderland. Matthew Horace Jones also said a caterpillar smoking a hookah told him to do it. A man calls 911 while Collier County Sheriff's deputies are chasing him, and he says... Donald Trump, our president, is his personal friend, a close one at that. A Lickworth man is uh, not too happy. He's accused of getting violent when waiters at a restaurant told him they weren't giving away free pizza. Covering Florida this morning, a Key West man is behind bars. Investigators say he was caught with a large amount of cocaine hidden in this Cookie Monster doll. Holy shit! All right, Jay, what do you have this week for What the F Florida Man? Headline, William, Sebastian Mann arrested for battery after his sister didn't offer him spaghetti. What is up with these Florida people and the fucking pasta? It was like, what, pizza? Now it's pasta? What 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 is going on, man? Yeah, the one guy was punching people for free pizza. Yep. I don't know, dude. People like their Italian food. Why you gotta judge? <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just saying, though. Uh, so, he, what did he do to his sister? Hey, have you had... Have you ever had real traditional Italian spaghetti and meatballs? Yes, I have. Motherfucker is life-changing. No, it is. I, I right. would totally, I would hit my sister for a bowl of my Nana's spaghetti. <laughs> she would hit you don't right even, back, too. Don't even fucking question it. <laughs> Knowing your don't sister, she would hit you right back. Um, yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah, she probably would have hit me first anyway. So, yeah, probably. All right, according to the Special Police Department, a man was arrested Wednesday after he grabbed his sister's ponytail and pulled her onto the ground as the man also placed his left knee on the side of her neck. Wow. Sound vaguely familiar from what we were talking about earlier? Yeah, sounds very familiar. James Joseph LaMonaco, 51, told police that he was mad at his sister because she made spaghetti for her, her boyfriend, and their mother and didn't offer him any, so said the affidavit. The physical altercation started when LaMonaco uh, confronted his sister in the kitchen about the spaghetti when his sister attempted to walk out of the kitchen. James grabbed her by the back of the ponytail, Pulled her on the ground, and then once she was there, he placed his right knee on the left side of her neck, holding her against the floor uh, in the kitchen for several seconds. God so damn. The Jesus. Wow. That's pretty. Monica said he only grabbed her sister's ponytail to help redirect her, quote unquote, redirect. out of the kitchen because they were arguing. I'm going to do some redirection this weekend, Jay. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, some redirection. I would like to see. I would like to see you try to redirect somebody by in your household by pulling them by their ponytail. <laughs> Both that when those women in your house would kick your ass. Probably. Yeah. Uh, this is a very like non like it, it, it. This is like typical Florida. Uh, again, you know, we talk about these people who are fucking white people. Yeah, it's just it's craziness, man. I mean, for food at the end of the day, like, what the fuck does it matter? Go down to the street and go get a sandwich or something. You know what I mean? Like. I get it, but I don't get it. I don't understand the, the, the violence part of it where, you know, it comes in and, you know, you're putting your knee to somebody's fucking neck. You know what I'm saying? He was redirecting her. <laughs> he was redirecting her to the kitchen to make some more? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Redirecting, he was redirecting her so she couldn't breathe. Oh, Jesus. Very sweet of him. Wow. Very, very, it's a very responsible, mature way. To solve a problem, I, yeah, I, I apparently, apparently. So uh, the redirection obviously uh, resulted in some type of jail time. I'm sure for this guy, right? It was released on five hundred dollars bail. That's it, five hundred dollars for putting your knee to somebody's <laughs> neck. Damn, I should be doing yep. that more often. There you go. <laughs> I was about to say you got a couple C-notes. You got a couple C-notes. There's some people who could use a throw punch, bro. Uh, listen, I mean, just to throw it away, man. I mean, just cost. You know, hey, listen, it's just throwing money, man. Let's do it. <laughs> man, wow. Uh, again, <laughs> if I'm burning five hundred dollars, I'm burning five hundred dollars. Someone's getting a knee to the neck. Damn that's right. What's happening. Damn right. Oh man, that's so crazy. But you listen again. There's that's. It doesn't surprise me out of this fucking crazy state of Florida. So again, Jay, thank you for. What the f, Florida man? And uh, that's that's just another crazy tale that comes out of where you said Sebastian, Florida. Sebastian, my friend, not too far from us. Yeah, that's not too far. That's uh, maybe an hour or two from us. So yeah, uh, it, it doesn't uh, 
it's not uh, unusual for par for the course here in Florida. So thanks for that uh, that uh, story, Jay, for what a Florida man. And of course, that's going to bring us to our main topic for tonight, which is the Rendlesham Forest incident. And we're going to be talking about all that here in a second. So please stick around and get ready. Hey, this is Steve Deshavi, and you are listening to Balk Fringe Radio. The 81st Tactical Fighter Wing of the United States Air Force operates out of Southeast England. In a unique arrangement, the wing is housed on twin bases, Woodbridge and Bentwaters. The two air bases border a three-mile expanse of farmland and woods known as Rendlesham Forest. In 1980, Rendlesham was a site of one of the most extraordinary and least publicized events in modern military history. Around 2 a.m. on December 26th, Airman First Class John Burroughs and his partner, both assigned to Woodbridge Base Security, were on routine patrol along the base perimeter. Hey, what the hell's that over there? Jeez, I don't know. What the hell is that? I don't know. I've never seen anything like it before. It's out in the middle of the woods. Now, come on, let's go back to this guard station, call the sergeant, see what he wants to do. There was definitely something out in the woods. It seemed like to me like a massive light show. I'm thinking, who would come out in the middle of the woods outside an Air Force base and make a Christmas display? I was nervous. He was nervous. We didn't know what to expect, and we decided at that point in time we better get back and let somebody know what's going on in case something did happen. Burroughs notified his immediate superior from a nearby sentry post. Yeah, we got some kind of weird activity in the woods off the base. Hey, John. Yeah, sure, I can see him from here. It's still going on. Yeah, look, it's some kind of weird lights in the trees. I don't know, they're moving all up and down. Almost simultaneously, another security patrol arrived. They verified the presence of the odd lights. All right, hold on. You want three men to go down off base? You coming with us? Nope. All right, look, we'll stay in radio contact. Going off base, leave your weapon. Burroughs and the second security team were sent off base to investigate. They were ordered to leave their weapons behind because they were moving out of American jurisdiction. We were intrigued, but we were also very nervous. We didn't know what we were getting into. We started in our foot towards the lights. At the same time, we could hear the animals were very upset. You could hear a lot of ruckus. At that point, we got a radio transmission. They had just gotten contact from Heathrow Tower in London that an object had been seen over our base and it had disappeared on radar. Is that it? I can't tell. All of a sudden, in the clearing, there was an object. It had a bank of blue lights on it, and it was sitting there like strobing. It was unbelievable. We all hit the ground, and it went up into the trees. When it was happening, everything seemed to go slower. We seemed to be in like a, I wouldn't say a time warp, but like everything appeared to be happened slower to us and everything felt different. But when it was all, when it disappeared, it was like everything was normal again. The perception of the ground, the, um, the air, the sky, the stars, the whole nine yards were different. Where'd it go? For more than two hours, the three men played an eerie game of cat and mouse with a mysterious craft. It appeared almost to toy with them. It was off the ground and horizon above the trees. And it always stayed out in the distance and horizon. And sometimes it appeared to get closer and we were gonna get close to it again and then we never did. There's over! Ladies and germs! It's guys uh thanks for joining in at dark fringe radio uh tonight we have a very interesting uh podcast tonight and it's uh regarding the Rendlesham forest incident and uh, for those that don't know i'm just going to give a quick introduction here jay uh as to a little bit of the background of this uh this story and uh it's basically known as britain's um 
Area 51, Roswell. You know, Roswell. Uh, it's yeah. it happened in December Roswell. 27th yeah. of uh, what two uh, 1980. So it wasn't that long ago. 1980. Little, yeah, it was. It, it's more recent, obviously, than Roswell. Four years. It's 40. I know, right? Doesn't that isn't that crazy when you really think about it? It's been 40 years ago. When you think yeah, about the 80s. Yeah, because it was like. It was like a few days after your birthday. Yeah, it's true. You're absolutely right. It was actually a week after my birthday. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a really interesting story because it happened in Britain, in the UK, and it happened at the Renishim, uh Air Force Base. And, of course, in that Air Force Base, there was a very uh, high presence of the United States Air Force as well there. Uh, they had part of their base uh, you know, basically attached to that. So uh, basically, back then in 1980, December 27th, um, you know, there was an incident where a bunch of soldiers saw a bunch of lights in the forest uh, that was beaming down, and a bunch of floating objects, you know, basically floating from obviously the, the you know the, the ground, and uh, with no noise, no nothing, and so this was a huge, huge thing that happened because obviously it alerted everybody, and there was a huge thing about it. And still to this day, Jay, people don't really understand what happened. And, you know, we're going to be, we're going to go kind of through the timeline of all this, what happened and some of the facts that we definitely know of, of what happened during that day. Uh, But it's like you said, 40 years ago, Jay, I mean, still, you know, compared to Roswell, which happened in what the fifties or the forties, you know, that's a lot more recent than that. So you would think that we would have more of the technology, the resources to be able to, um, you know, research this or, you know, get certain types of uh, instrumentation readings and, and, and things of that, just more information basically than what we had back in the 50s, you know what I'm saying, or the 40s. So, um, you know, we have this... Yeah, I, not necessarily, not necessarily, because while, yes, the 80s was definitely more technologically sound, it wasn't as technologically sound as we are today. Uh, and back then, we've been on such an advanced, uh, accelerated rate over the last two decades that from 80 to 90, there wasn't much change. From 2010 to 2020, it's two different worlds. Yes and no. Yes, you, you, you are right on some things, yes. Uh, on the overall aspect of you know technology, yes, between the 80s and 90s, a lot didn't happen, but the internet did happen during that time. So that is a pretty significant uh, I would say milestone as far as technology is concerned. So we have to give that its due during that time. But for the overall most things, yes, Jay, you're right. Uh, as far as technology was concerned, what we moved from tape to CD, uh, you know, things were starting to get kind of digital. You know what I mean? We were starting cell to phones, see. Cell phones were getting smaller, but we're talking, we're talking 1980. Right. We're talking cassettes weren't really even much of a thing yet. Everybody was still on vinyl. Right. You're talking, uh, Cars still had carburetors. Right. So you're not talking from 40 to 80. Yes, there was some giant, giant technological steps for sure. But things like the internet and things that made uh, individual data consumption far more readily available than it, you know, like it is today. Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about uh, one of our first episodes together. We talked about the Dewey Decimal System and how it's dying. <laughs> and how, it's why dead. are we talking about the Dewey Decimal System? No, it's anyway, dead. Yeah, it's dead. Uh, but we, we were talking about how we would have to go to a library and look shit up if we wanted to know stuff. Now, I don't have to learn anything new. I just have to learn where to find shit. That's it. Oh, yeah. do I have a question? How old is Lonnie Anderson? Oh, let me look on fucking Google. That's right. I don't have to know anything. I don't have to be smart. I just have to be able to fucking type. I don't know how to spell. My phone spell for me, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, there there has been a huge jump uh, in technology from the 90s till now or the 80s till now, Jay. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, I, I get... William. What? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the reason why our technology has been jacked up so much over the last 40 years, the difference between 40 to 80 and 80 to now is because the alienated technology that we garnished. We reverse engineer it, my friend. That's right. That's right. And I do believe that. There is a lot of reverse engineering going on. Um, Even from Roswell. I mean, we got a lot of that information. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, you started seeing a lot of those UFO 
um, you know, activity happening in the 80s, mid 80s, early 80s. And from that point on, that's when technology started really like skyrocketing. Uh, you know, like you said, cell phones, um, you know, yeah, they started off like big ass bricks that you would have to hold on to like a fucking suitcase attached to a cord and a phone. Backpack. Yeah. And, you know, now they're they're regulated down to what fucking, you know, four by, uh, you know, eight by four pieces of, uh, you know, technology that you carry in your pocket everywhere you go uh, that you use for everything at this point, whether it is to order food or order a car ride or, you know, set up your groceries and do everything now. Everything is done through your cell phone. So, again, we're talking about technology that has definitely skyrocketed since then. And. Yes, Jay, I think a lot of that has to do with the reverse engineering of the things that we are finding. And, you know, it, it's really interesting, you know, this incident, you know, this happened in 1980, like we were talking about. But again, during that time, there was a lot of things that were going on, too. You know, um, that time there was a lot of movies that were coming out. You had Close Encounters of the Third Kind that was that was out. Um, Hangar 18, that was another movie that was coming out during that time. So, again, a lot of these movies, I'm not sure if they they borrowed, mm-hmm. maybe they borrowed from this, uh, you know, incident, or maybe there was a little bit of disclosure happening back then with some of these movies. What do you think? Uh, well, I definitely don't think there was any disclosure going. I don't think any government would willing, willingly or openly admit or allow anything uh, to be even parodied for fear of public outcry. So, no, nah, I don't think there was a whole lot of conspiracy on that end. But it could have it could have been, I mean, the time, I, I can tell you that in that time frame, that between 80 and 90, there seemed to be a lot more belief uh, and a lot more attraction to extraterrestrials. Right. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that was like the, 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 um, what they call the Mecca or the, 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 the early birth of what we know now is what, you know, alien, you know, propaganda type films and things like that, you know? And during that time, Jay, you know, they saw all this happening during that December day. You know, they claimed they saw that extraterrestrial craft in the forest that month in December of 1980. Um, you know, it's only one of the very few officially documented UFO sightings uh, where the witnesses, you know, have actually claimed to seen the craft itself. Um, Nick Pope, who was the Ministry of Defense uh, employee from 1985 to 2006, who wrote a book entitled uh, Encounter in Red Ocean Forest, the inside story of the world's best documented UFO incident. He described it as the incident with the following words. This is what he said, Jay. Quote, unquote, this was not some vague lights in the sky sighting. The UFO actually landed. So this is coming from, you know, uh, our actual employee of the Ministry of Defense during that time, who actually wrote a book that said, listen, this is not some kind of like, oh, we saw some kind of lights and we didn't know what the fuck it was and da-da-da-da-da, you know? This was an actual UFO that landed. So it's a very interesting take on something that, again, we're starting to see a lot of this stuff happen now. Even like what? And just not too long ago, the, the Department of Defense just finally said that, hey, listen, that UFO footage that came out in 2012, yeah, it was actually UFO, you know, footage. <laughs> So, again, what are we dealing with here, Jay? I mean, again, is this disclosure starting to happen more now? Um, is, is, is the veil being lifted? Well, What's going on? I don't, know if, I don't know if necessarily the veil itself is being lifted, uh, at least not intentionally, not by those who are currently uh, at the heads of state. Um, but what I do think is happening is at this point, there is so much information to absorb this so much information that people are starting to do more of the research and more and more you're actually getting a society of, of woke individuals who are stepping back and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold the fucking phone. Just because you're in government, just because you're a president, just because you're, you know, whatever it is. I'm not even trying to pick on anybody in specific. But the people have more access to more information and know exactly where to look on their Google smartphones to find exactly what it is that they're looking, whatever document or whatnot uh, it is, mm-hmm. no matter how much you've redacted from it. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jay. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about some of the um, of the witnesses that were actually there. Let's 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 get into some of their stories. And th- these are things that have have been documented as truth. Okay, Jay. These are stories that people have given firsthand, you know, knowledge 
uh, to news and, uh, you know, alike and things of that nature. So one of the men that was asked to investigate the strange red, blue and orange and white lights coming from the forest. His name was John Burroughs, Jay. Um, and his witness statement that was published in 1981, this is what he said. This is, And this is really interesting because it says a lot. Quote, unquote, the woods lit up like you could hear the farm animals making a lot of noises. You could see the lights down by the farmer's house on the forest's edge. We climbed over the fence and started walking toward the red and blue lights, and they just disappeared. Now, that was from John Burroughs. He was a U.S. Air Force officer. So this is not some guy just, 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 you know, wandering through the woods and maybe smoking some dope or maybe, you know, drinking some moonshine or whatever the case may be they do in, you know, England. But yeah, this is a U.S., you know, Air Force officer that said this. And another person, Officer Jim uh, Pennison, he uh, also witnessed the account. He described the craft as made from a smooth, opaque black glass. That was his quote. United States Air Force Officer Jim Pennison, who was uh, with Burroughs, during the incident, described the scene, the craft covered in hieroglyphic-like characters. He said the following. Now check this out, Jay. I estimated it to be about three. Oh, me- I estimated it to be about three meters tall and about three meters wide at the base. No landing gear was apparent, but it seemed like it was like it was affixed on legs, like that you couldn't see. I moved a little bit closer. I walked around the craft, and finally, I walked right up to the craft. I noticed the fabric of the shell was more like a smooth, opaque black glass. So here we go. <laughs> now we're starting to get into the firsthand accounts of what they're seeing. And again, Jay, I don't know if this is maybe um, something that just happened to come through and land there or what. Was this military intelligence, Jay? Who knows? Who knows? But again, we are well, there. Well, there is something well, that well, was happening there. Well. Military, military intelligence. Come on, dog. <laughs> Come on, those two things. I mean, military greed, possibly. Hey, but listen, you have military to military control for sure. Maybe you, we'll get into that in a second. We'll actually get into that in a second. But military intelligence. Listen, if we're talking about, we can't be, we can't, we can't be devil's advocate of the talk of you know technology moving without saying, hey, listen, if technology is moving that fast, don't you think that the government probably has a uh, you know, a higher, uh, you know, level to that than what is shown in the public? Uh, uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, but here's, here's kind of where, here's where, uh, the government's intelligence is certainly limited. Okay. They still have red tape, steps they have to take, due diligence, even when they skirt the rules a little bit, even when they skirt the rules, they can only skirt the, skirt the rules so much, excuse me. It's kind of like Neo versus Agent Smith in The Matrix. In The Matrix, yes, Agent Smith seems to be more powerful because he can turn into anybody. He can, he's hard to kill. He's just damn near impossible to kill, actually, in The Matrix because he's one with The Matrix. But then it comes Neo, and the difference between Neo and Agent Smith is Agent Smith lives in a world with rules. He cannot fly. He can't jump a certain distance. He can't move a certain speed. He can move faster than most people, but he's still held in a world by limitations, whereas Neo is only limited by his imagination, so, right? So are we, so I think we, so are we have the, the same thing here. You have, you have a government that still has so many things, that has to follow so many rules, regulations, and steps, even when it's being dirty and, and self-serving across the people who has a myriad of different backgrounds, a myriad of different opportunities, and limitless potential to really find what kind of fuckery is going on. Yeah, there seemed to be a lot of fuckery going on in this particular instance here, Jay. You know, the next day there was actually um, pretty interesting points of basically, uh, let, let's just say, some type of radiation that was left there. Um, there was actually indentations on the ground and high radiation levels that were recorded the next day, um, as well as damage to the trees in the area where the lights were seen. So, again, we're, we're, we're capturing all this evidence after the fact that definitely poses to something that actually happened there jay that you know there's those radiation levels would not be there unless something happened um you know they they compared it to like when um you know uh, an atom bomb is dropped or some type of dirty bomb that has radiation levels that is is meant to do something like that you know it again we're they're finding all this evidence you know and even some of the colonels there they were like so amazed or mesmerized by this whole incident that 
they ran a recorded commentary during the second UFO sighting. There's actually a second one as well, Jay. So on December 22nd, two nights after the first reported incident, the United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel uh, Charles Holt, he was kind of like ready for all this shit, right? He was like, okay, listen, if this is going to go down, I'm recording this shit, right? So he was known as a pragmatic character. He was uh, out set to like, had to disprove all these crazy wild theories that were happening at the RAF, RAF uh, base there, the Randlisham Air Force Base. And then what happens is what happened? More lights were spotted. So he took his tape recorder and he joined a military patrol group. And the resulting audio tape has been declassified by the United Kingdom uh, Ministry of Defense. It's now public domain. You can actually listen to it. It's pretty interesting shit, Jay. And I'm going to put it as an Easter egg here at the end of the podcast here. So any of that you guys are interested in hearing some of that audio to the end after the uh, the song. And uh, we will uh, we will be posting that as well so you can hear some of the uh, the recordings of what he did. And, you know, during the recording, Jay, uh, he mentions objects and lights in the sky um, as well as a red orb floating near the ground. Um, he was quoted on saying, it looks like an eye winking at you. Here he comes from the south. He's coming. That's what he says in the fucking audio. So um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, you, you have all these high-ranking officials, Jay, that are you know coming out and saying and witnessing this shit that's going on even days after that it happened. You know, that it's continuing to happen. I Again, you have that guy. You have Burroughs and Pennison um, who were the first two witnesses. They actually started suffering post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, you know, again, a lot of people were just trying to discredit what they were saying. You know, they, it, it must take a toll. Well, that's because haters going to hate. Yeah. <laughs> haters are going to hate no matter what. Right, Jay? And again, that's what you have. That's right. Yeah. That's what you have. You know, you have people that, you know, are trying to discredit these people. And it's like, you know, no, I know what I saw, you know, and it's just, again, it, it just, it's, it's so hard to come out and be that person to say that, hey, listen, this is what I saw. And then people are automatically going to discredit you and just say, hey, you listen, you're fucking crazy, right? You're just, you're nuts. Well, I mean, I I get told I'm crazy all day long. It has nothing to do with what happened, <laughs> whether it's at Area 51 or Area 52 or Area 305. It's all the same. I... Yeah, there's so many witnesses to this incident, Jerry. That's what makes this so, uh, this incident so, um, you know, unique in its own way. Uh, just like uh, almost like Roswell, you know, there was another witness there. His name was Sergeant Adrian uh, Bustinza. He was a security police commander who investigated the incident at the time. And he said, this is what he said, unquote, when I arrived at the scene, it was going in and out through the trees. At one stage, it was hovering. That's all he said, quote unquote. Um, and, and then again, Jay, you have some eyewitnesses claim to not seen any kind of UFO. Another witness, Ed uh, Sag, uh described as seeing a glowing near the beacon light. But as we got closer, we found it to be a lit up farmhouse. Uh, we got to the vantage point where we could determine what was there and chasing us was only a beacon light off in the distance. So, again, I, was he a guy that was just maybe not understanding what was going on or was he maybe a paid shill? Who knows? Uh, but the Ministry of Defense had claimed that the lights had came from uh, a nearby lighthouse. That's the, one of the biggest points of contention uh contention of this particular incident that it actually came from a lighthouse so uh i don't know what to say i, I mean again jay you have this crazy crazy incident where all these people are seeing this and very credible people and then you have some other people who are just not so again where do we where do we land on this well isn't that the same with just about everything else it's always open to, to uh you know interpretation so um i i don't think we've got the whole story for sure I don't think we'll ever really get the full story for sure. Um, I think the government is now in a position where if it lies, it's fucked, and if it tells true, it's fucked. So it kind of gets fucked either which way. Might as well face on something like this that is upsetting uh, and certainly worth being upset over, but sometimes our government does things that get us looking one way and then they do something totally differently. Yeah, you're, you're 100% correct on that. You know, and another thing is, Jake, you know, all these claims, like, uh, for instance, from like uh, the 75-year-old now, uh, as it was recently of 2015, he's 75, Colonel Holt, uh, he announced that he obtained written statements from radar uh, operators from Randersham Air Force Base, uh, Bentwaters, and nearby Wattisham 
Air Force uh, that unknown unknown objects was in fact tracked at the time of the incident. So um, now he's starting to get people to you know kind of come together. Um, and as per the BBC, Hulk claimed that he uh, he didn't want to come forward until after they had retired from the military roles. Uh, he was quoted on saying, "I have confirm- confirmation that Bentwater's radar operators saw the object go across their 60 mile scope in two or three seconds, thousands of miles." An hour, he came back across the scope again, stopped near the water tower. They watched it, observed it, go into the forest where we were, said Colonel Holt. So, again, now that there's uh, more uh, corroborating stories uh, that are coming out, now the whole place, uh, you know, it's kind of like a UFO trail right now, Jay. So you can actually go out there and actually do a walk of this area in Renishan Forest. And they call it the UFO trail. And um, you can go out there and many people have recorded EVPs. Uh, they've recorded lights, uh, glowing balls of, of red light. Um, all sorts of kinds of crazy shit out there, Jay. So uh, when are we getting out there? Actually, that reminds me. Slightly off topic. Uh, I have some exciting news, William. What is that? <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, we have a friend. We have a friend who said that she's going to let us in. A uh, event, nice. A uh, uh, an experience, if yeah. you will. Uh-huh. Late night at a cemetery, not too far from where we are now. Ah, <laughs> yes. Listen, that is awesome. I'm so looking forward to that, man. Listen, a part of Dark Fringe Investigations, man. We're going to be doing that. that. Listen, I am so happy to hear that. That's so such great news, and um, I can't wait to get out there and uh, actually do an investigation. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, so uh, as soon as we get done with that, then we'll go ahead and we'll go find some UFOs to see if we can't hunt those down, those blasphemy weapons. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, listen, I think that's a good wrap-up for the Rendlesham Forest incident. And I, I urge people to definitely do your research on this, man. This is a really good subject. I, I'm just giving you the tip of the iceberg here. You know, I, We're constricted to how much time we can give on this subject, but I urge everyone to definitely look into it. There's a lot of documentaries on it um you know there's even people saying that it was the sas that was a part of it that they were trying to they were playing a trick on the u.s military so if you don't know who the sas is that's like the british you know uh, fbi or cia um so again there's so many takes on this particular story i urge each and every one of you to check it out it's the rendlesham forest incident look it up very interesting topic and I hope we, we, we piqued your interest in this particular uh, subject matter. So, again, uh, that's a good wrap-up for tonight, Jay. And, uh, of course, before we wrap things up, let's get into what to watch. And, Jay, what do you have uh, for us this week for what to watch? Well, originally there was only going to be one, but it has since ballooned up to three. <laughs> it's UFO'd itself into three. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it has morphed into three, although none of them, um, none of them necessarily... Uh, UFOs. Although, if you do want to see an interesting uh, ideology, somewhat immature on the happenings of what could happen and be out there, uh, go get, rent, and or find the cat from outer space. Should touch it nicely. That being said, <laughs> I have a couple. Okay. Originally, it was just going to be uh, Dead to Me, which is a show on Netflix with Christina Applegate. Christina Applegate. Uh, mm. I've recently gotten this Christina Applegate, 48 years old. She still is pretty. She's still pretty at that age, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah, And she plays a fantastic character in the, in the show. She is a real hard ass. <laughs> I like the, the basic premise is that her husband was killed mm. uh, in a car accident. And she ends up meeting this quirky, uh, will-be sidekick uh, who is also grieving a death. Okay. And... Uh, the show picks up steam from there. I don't want to give too much more because it gets awful intricate. <laughs> um, but it is unbelievably exciting. It is fucking hilarious. Uh, and there are definitely times where you you find yourself again, kind of like one minute you're rooting for one person, next minute you're rooting for somebody else. Yeah, I like those kind of shows. Yeah, it's a good one. So that's that was my most recent What's Watch. That's going to be something that's kind of new. It's uh, still current and running. I think they, they are three or four seasons in. Um, so I'm playing a little catch up with it, but it's fantastic. Well worth a watch. Uh, the other one, I was recently, uh, asked if I would watch Smokey and the Bandit. The original Smokey and the Bandit is a classic of all classics. By the way, anyone, anyone ever wants to watch Smokey and the Bandit, 
I will sit and I will watch the whole damn thing. <laughs> it's one of those for you, right? Yeah, I get it. Every time. It is one of my all-time favorites. Jackie Gleason's maybe best role ever. I mean, really, Buford T. Justice is such an unbelievable character, such a pop icon. Yeah. That song, bitch. That song, bitch. Uh, you, can't, you don't get better than that. And then the, the chemistry between a young Sally Field and young Burt Reynolds uh, before they got married, when they were still very much in love, yeah. it comes it comes across so clearly she was uh, how much they too. truly care for each other. She was hot um, back then too, huh? And and oh, absolutely, absolutely. And she aged well, really. Yeah. But you you see the quick back and forth. You know, she's looking at him. She says, "You have a nice profile." He goes, "Thanks, especially from the side." <laughs> I mean, it's it's the quick wit, and she says. You know, well, at least we agree on one thing. He says, yeah, we both like half my face. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I mean, you don't get writing like that anymore. It's a quintessential, just great movie. You know what I mean? It's just done very well. I think it was done with the right people at the right time. It's one of those movies where it was like like what you said. It was right for the right time. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It was fantastic. It was entertaining. You don't really have to follow it. It's pretty just boop, right there. Yep. And along those lines, along those lines, the final one, Big Trouble in Little China. Ooh. Same person that asked me if I would watch Smokey and the Bandit with her also asked me if I would watch uh, Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> All right? So, right up my alley. There you go. Uh, Kurt Russell classic, uh, you know, East meets West, and kind of a Kung Fu meets Spiritual. Terminator, yeah. 1980s style movie. <laughs> Sci-fi. Like, yeah, it's weird, right? It's like, it's in a movie and it's like it's, a class it's of its action own. action sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And you know they're remaking it, right, Jay? You have Mystic. No, oh, they can't do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dead to Me, Smokey and the Bandit, and uh, Big Trouble in Little China. There Good to go. see I'm keeping it current. There you <laughs> with, the, with the throwbacks, man. The throwbacks. The 80s throwbacks. But listen, that's nothing wrong with that, man. Throwback Thursday. Yeah, Throwback Thursday, man. Listen. Again, a lot of those great movies came out from that time. You know what I mean? It's just no CGI. It's just, you know, it's just plain and simple. Good storyline. You know what I mean? And good action. You can't beat it. You know, with great actors. Again, that's, no, that's, that's the 80s. So, uh, well, that's a, a good wrap up, Jay, for what to watch this week. Again, I want to remind everybody how to listen to the podcast. You can go directly at our uh, website, which is darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. And you can go there and listen to any of the uh, links that we have there uh, readily available for you to listen and stream uh, all of our podcasts, which is, what, 75 episodes now, Jay. So uh, make sure you uh, take advantage of that. And uh, when you do, make sure you leave a comment, subscribe, and do all that good stuff for us. So really do appreciate that. And again, if you want to contact us, again, uh, if you want to be a a guest on the podcast uh, or if you have some information, anything like that at all, you can send that to us at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Um, again, uh, Jay, uh, that's it for the outro. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, just uh, remember, friends, be safe, be smart, be aware. No re- no need to be anything uh, other than that. Nope. That's it. Pretty simple, man. So listen, I'm Will Martinez for Dark Fringe Radio. Again, my co-host, Jay Galosi. And again, thank you for joining us again in another episode of Dark Fringe Radio. We'll see you again next week.
this week's Easter egg is the actual recording declassified by the uh, UK Secret Service. And this is the actual recording of uh, Commander Halt at the Renishin Air Force Base describing his interaction of what they saw two nights after the original sighting of the Renishin Force incident. Hope you guys enjoy. Okay. 